You're listening to episode 64 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for birds on the black. I'm Tara, he's Alex, and while spring training is officially underway, we already have our eyes on the postseason. Thanks, MLB. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the show. I guess this is the first unofficial official episode since the season sort of started technically with pitchers and catchers reporting on Tuesday. I'm Tara along with Alex. And Alex, before we dive into anything else on the show, has baseball season started? It has not. (laughs) But You are welcome to be excited about pitchers and catchers reporting if that genuinely excites you. It does not excite me, but obviously there's tons of people who say this is what we've been waiting for since the last pitch in November, in October, uh, which go crazy, man, I say, but no, to me, baseball season has not started. Okay. Does it start when spring training games start or is it not till actually opening day? For you. Like, so, when do you actually uh, feel like, okay, I'm excited the baseball's back? There's there's two seasons. Um, like, there's actual opening day when the baseball games start. That's when the season starts. But there's right. sort of this other type of season where narratives that actually matter start to form. Um, and, and that's somewhere in spring training once the games have begun, I, I think. You know, you okay. start to see... Yeah. Is that fair? Like if I do, like, yeah, yeah, like if Dylan Carlson is just tearing it up, like that matters. If uh, if there's an injury, obviously that matters. So things start to happen in March, uh, maybe even late February, that will have an uh, an impact on the season. But no, the season starts when the season starts. Is, is what I will say. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think I'm always excited about pitchers and catchers reporting because it means something is happening. And then for me, it's always like this. Yes, baseball is back. Oh, wait, it really isn't. (laughs) Like I'm excited about the day, excited about the images and the initial stories about everybody being back. And then it kind of falls off for me for a while before I really start to feel like it's baseball season because I'm, I'm waiting for there to be something significant, like you said. So the images, the videos, the actual baseball stories on my timeline that's all kind of fun to see for the next couple of weeks or so and then we'll see when you know you get a little more meat to those stories and some of the storylines start to develop and you start to be able to pick apart what is or is not happening in the spring and that's a different kind of fun than once they're actually on the field playing that opening game so still a lot to look forward to. It does mean potentially there will be more for us to talk about. Although if their spring is anything like their winter was, we're going to be talking about other teams more than we are about the Cardinals. Well, in part because other teams made a lot of headlines this winter. So we'll see how all of that goes. But we do want to talk about a couple of things as we get to the spring and we start to look at maybe what the Cardinals will be putting on the field and what that will mean as far as results are concerned. And then, of course, Major League Baseball is in this really great pattern of breaking news that no one wanted them to break right now. So we will talk about the strange proposal about a change to the postseason structure as we go along throughout this show. First, though, 
Let's talk about projections because that always starts to come out this time of year over at Birds on the Black, uh, our good friend and friend of the podcast, Ben Cerruti, does his own projections this time of year for individual players. And that's always kind of a fun thought experiment to see how you can put all of these numbers into an algorithm and come out with some sort of idea of what may or may not happen on the field. Uh, the Pakoda projections came out this week and Alex, people on the internet are real mad about it. <laughs> well, it was, it was a little shocking and it, <laughs> it also reinforced this idea that the Cardinals didn't do enough this off season to improve the team. If, uh, if you don't know, they were, uh, they're projected to win 80 games in what fourth in the, in the division. Do I have that right? Third, third. Fourth? Yeah. Okay. Third. But just barely ahead of the Brewers. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not good. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's an interesting thing to see, right? Because, and, and keep in mind, we were talking about this before we started recording. Projections are different than predictions. And especially when you're looking at these particular projections, it's based on a, a range of possible outcomes, the average of which is. 80 games, right? So it's not necessarily locked into a single number that that's categorically what someone is saying will happen this season. The reason I say that's important is because this will shift throughout the season, right? As we see if the Reds are as good in reality as they are on paper, as we see if the Chicago Cubs can kind of pull things together for one last hurrah before they break the team apart. And as we see if the Cardinals can actually get better by being better, we don't know if any of those things are going to happen, right? So this is all kind of based on the very X's and O's on paper, based on however many possible simulations of the season they run through this algorithm. Here's the the average result. So when we're looking at those things, yes, it, it's a little bit shocking to see the Cardinals come in at 80 games, which I don't think, I don't think even seeing what they had done over the winter or not done rather over the winter and knowing kind of the the peaks and valleys of some of their core players over the last few years, like 80 games is, I, we've talked a lot about what is enough for the St. Louis Cardinals, what kind of their, their goal is as an organization. We're talking about from ownership and, and front office perspectives, obviously, because the players are going to, you know, say they want to win 100 games every year. But 80 games, <laughs> like that's a that's a really shockingly low number for a team that wants to be considered a division favorite, and by many in the game is still considered a division favorite, just <laughs> just not by these particular projections. Yeah, if they had come in at 85. Yeah. That would have still seemed uh, th that's a number that most people would have been would be dissatisfied if the Cardinals were to finish the 2020 season with 85 wins. But that's also a number where you can see yourself if you're projected in 85 games, you can see yourself at 90, 91 wins. Um, in fact, Rob Maines writes this column every year um, at Baseball Prospectus, and it's uh, why Pakoda hates your favorite baseball team. <laughs> and he noted that the Cardinals are the only team for which Pakoda underestimated them in win total the last five seasons. Hmm. But it was only by an average of, of I believe, six wins or, or five wins, which is a lot. But that, that is concerning when you're talking about them, them being projected to win 80 games by Pakoda because... Yeah, the Cardinals very likely will beat that number, 
well, we're not going to be satisfied if they win 84 games or win 85 games. We're not, as they're on the outside looking in on the playoff picture, we're not going to be saying like, well, at least they beat Pakota again. Like no one's going to yeah. care, you know? So uh, again, you know, t- to your point, of course, this doesn't mean everything. And baseball prospectus and Pakota never tries to tell you that this means everything. It, right. It's their system, which is a very good system if you, if you go back in time and look at it. But it certainly means something. And yeah, it, it is. Uh, and, and this is the, uh, the other point Rob made in the article is just that, look, St. Louis won 91 games this year, but didn't really do anything in the offseason to get better. In fact, they probably got a little bit worse in, in several key areas. So, so I guess that's how you, how you find yourself with 80 wins. Yeah, it, it just to me proves how much of a question mark this season is for the Cardinals because... Yes, based on the the on paper things that you can analyze about this team, right? You lost Marcelo Zuna, which is was a huge chunk of your offense, and there are other reasons to believe that maybe Colton Wong doesn't have the same season he had last year. Maybe you know some of those things that did go right don't go right again. Maybe your your base running or your defense isn't the best in the league for the second year in a row. But I also think and this is sort of where the Cardinals have been coming from is saying that, look, Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Carpenter had down years. There's a good chance they have better years. And then you also look at the possibilities in the outfield between Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill, and potentially later in the season, Dylan Carlson. And those are things you can't really project accurately because you don't have a base from which to project them. So that's where you get some of that room for variance, right? And if you look at the these Pakota standings, they have these cool little visuals this year that kind of show you on a graph what the spread is of you know, like the worst case scenario versus the best case scenario. And then you see that where that average is right in that 80 win range. Um, but it's because you some of those things, particularly for the Cardinals, I think more so than for the Cubs or for the Reds are really hard to project right now. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um, it, it's hard to look at the Cardinals lineup and and find a sure thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's hard to have any answers. Yeah. I mean, in the lineup and to some degree with the pitching, right? Because you don't know who's going to be in the rotation outside of Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty. You assume Adam Wainwright, but that's also a question mark in and of itself because you don't know how consistent he's going to be like is he going to be able to replicate last year or not no one really knows is carlos martinez going to be a starter or is he going to be the closer no one really knows is alex reyes going to come back no one really knows so there's so many places with this team where you just can't nail down okay these are the guys we know we're working with and this is the production they're capable of how many wins is that going to generate? And that's a really, like, obviously simplistic way of breaking it down. But essentially, that's what a, a, what projections are, is looking at what you have available, what the possibilities are, and what the likelihood of success is. There are just so many places on this roster for the Cardinals that, like you said, there's not a sure thing, which to me makes it so much harder to project than, you know, perhaps the Reds, who, yes, went out and made a bunch of moves, but that gave them some clarity where the Cardinals just don't have clarity yet. Yeah, a lot of old guys and a lot of unknowns. And yeah. I, I guess put that together and it doesn't uh, doesn't do well with Pakoda. How do we feel about the 84.5 projection for the Cubs? Hmm. Um, because I feel like they have a lot of question marks too. So 
I was talking with some other people about this, and yeah, I, they definitely do, especially like going forward. But this season in a vacuum, I could, I can very easily talk myself into them winning the NL Central. And if I had to pick right now, I would probably choose them. And this is not my thing. I said I think a couple of weeks ago where I was like, well, you know, I picked them also to acquire Bryce Harper and win the division last year. Neither happened, so I'm going to keep doing that. No, I, I could. I can really talk myself into it. Um, and my argument was like Craig Kimbrell is not going to be any worse than he was last year. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. He's going to have a full spring training. He's going to be better. Uh, that's just a closer. Of course, uh, Darvish turned into the guy they had hoped they had acquired in the first place. He was really good for the last two thirds of the season last year. Right. Quintana had, if you want to just do simple, uh, Fit versus ERA, Quintana was had a lot of bad luck last year. Whereas you know a pitcher like Dakota Hudson was on the opposite end of that. Mm-hmm. Hendricks is pretty is pretty reliable pitcher. Lester is yeah, L- Lester's kind of old now, and he wasn't very good last year, but he's still John Lester. You know, I, there's no reason to think he's well. I shouldn't say there's no reason. It's foolish to assume he's absolutely done because I don't know if that's the case. And the lineup is still probably the most potent lineup I think in the NL Central and I assume they're not going to trade Chris Bryant um I and I think they would be crazy too because I really do feel like they owe their fans one more shot with this kind of with this core of the lineup one more shot to you know go for it all again and I don't know I, I just think one through nine that they really are the most talented team yeah it definitely feels like this is sort of the last hurrah with mm-hmm. this band I mean especially when you factor in bringing David Ross back to manage the team. Mm-hmm. I I do think that this is kind of the one last push to try to salvage seems extreme because they did win a world series, but when they sort of built up this, this oh, dynasty yeah. idea, I, I, right. It, it's kind of salvaging that team that they created to be the, the undisputed division leaders of the, decade i don't know how long they expected it to last because they knew they were going to have to pay some of these guys eventually but longer longer than this though right longer than this and and to get to this point having won a world series which is nothing to to shrug at right that's a huge accomplishment they've done it since the cardinals have there are a lot of other teams that wish they would have that on their resume but this isn't exactly the story they thought was going to unfold and i i do think that they feel like they're going to give it one last shot. I, I will say as far as Chris Bryan is concerned, I'm curious how all of this will impact him on the field. Not because I think that he's the kind of guy that will, uh, you know, be rattled by it, but because it's almost, you, you talk about guys in a contract year, right? Well, this is almost that magnified because now it's like, okay, you basically told me that my rookie of the year season didn't count. <laughs> Now I have to prove that I'm still that guy. And he's had a a bit of an up and down run the last couple of years, in part because of injuries and time missed and that sort of thing. But I think it's it's a big year for him to sort of reestablish that he's a, you know, top 10, if not top five MVP type guy going into what will be the next part of his career, wherever that may be. So I'm curious to see the 2020 version of Chris Bryant after all of this drama has gone on over the winter. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious if he ever fully recovered from 
I guess, I don't know if it was a series of injuries or just all stemming from that one time he slid in the third base and kind of banged up his shoulder. It sort of seems like he hasn't been quite the same player since that happened. And I believe, and I'm talking going back to the 2018 season, although I'm sure someone could throw some data at me maybe to to show that I'm wrong. But it, it just doesn't feel like, like in 2015 and 2016, he was terrifying. Yeah, and and I don't feel that way with him now. Right. So yeah, I I I, I see your point, and I am curious to see what what type of season he'll have. I mean, I feel like at some point people are going to wonder <laughs> about Anthony Rizzo playing on that ankle in uh, at the end of last year too, which probably shouldn't have happened. I don't remember Whoa, when it was, I totally but forgot about that. I just read That's about right. it a, a couple weeks ago that, you know, how long it took him before he was able to kind of feel normal in the rehab process for that. I keep an eye on that. That's sort of like an underlying thing that talk about injuries li- lingering a bit. That's one that, you know, it's one that seems like it shouldn't continue to be an issue, but it, it could be. And in some respect, I know there are a lot of us, we talked about it on the podcast, like if that was Paul Goldschmidt or if that was, you know, whomever it was at the time that was playing well, which wasn't very many guys, let's be honest, in the NLCS, would you want them to keep playing on an injury like that? Was it a responsible choice? Was it, you know, for the whatever? I, I'm, again, just curious. It's one of those things that I've thought about going into this season um, that could factor into maybe the consistency at least at the beginning of the year for for Anthony Rizzo especially depending on where they bat him in that lineup because that seems to shift pretty significantly too yeah i i had totally forgotten about that that was a huge deal at the time too i mean yeah. We were, yeah yeah we discussed that a lot wow lots of things have happened in baseball since then um not all for the better as it seems like every time a story breaks it one-ups the last story and look we could spend yet another show talking about the Houston Astros at this point and the reactions and the ripple effects and all the things that keep coming out now about what was really going on in Houston and if it was going on anywhere else but this week um Major League Baseball decided to share some information that kind of stole the spotlight from the Astros a little bit. I mean, story after story, they're going to they're going to yank it back at some point. But this proposed change to the postseason structure, Alex, I don't. I don't know how many conversations have happened about why or whether or not the postseason structure should change. I feel like if it was going to change, <laughs> this isn't it. Let me just, if if you haven't seen it or if you've seen someone allude to it, but you haven't actually heard the proposal, let me just read you the very quick version of it from MLB.com today. Okay, this is how the new format, which could go into effect as early as the 2022 season, this is how the format would work. The team with the best record in both the American and National League would receive a first-round buy automatically advancing to the division series. Mind you, this would expand the number of teams in the postseason from five to seven. Okay. So the best records in both leagues get a buy in the first round. The other two division winners would host all three games in a best of three wildcard round, as would the wildcard team with the next best record. If you're already confused, just wait. Three other wildcard teams would also advance to the best of three rounds, though none would host a game. So 
the wildcard games would be hosted by two division winners and the wildcard team with the next best record in those divisions. The division winner with the second best record in the league, again, hosting that wildcard game, would then get to decide which of the bottom three wildcard teams it wants to play in the opening round, a decision that would be aired on live television on the final Sunday night of the season, just hours after the regular season concludes. I, I don't even... Like, there are so many layers of why would you possibly consider this here that I don't even know where to start with that, Alex. So whenever a radical change is proposed, the natural instinct is to oppose it. Um, yeah. So, so you always want to be careful of that. Like, like remember when Twitter introduced 280 characters and it, <laughs> it was such a big deal and people were angry um, and like this, this is outrageous. Like, you know, this is going to ruin <laughs> Who knew everything. There would be Twitter traditionalists. <laughs> <laughs> well, could you imagine trying to go, go back to 140 now? Do you remember how terrible, oh, yeah. like trying to shoehorn in certain words into tweets just to like fit into 140 characters? I, the only good thing about it is, is I feel like you got more of a pass for like awful grammar or spelling. That's true. Um, but anyway. So you always want to guard against just having that negative reaction because it's something new and 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 this is radical and, and radical. Um, that said, I, I yeah I I really really dislike this idea. Um, so, so when they added the second wild card in 2012, to me it worked because one it didn't really add another round of playoffs. You know it just has it's just the the play in game. Um, and because it incentivized winning the division, which I think is cool. Right. But but this is just, to me, on a whole different level. And to have 14 teams in the playoffs at, out of 30 teams, if we're talking 2022, then that means this is going to be before any sort of expansion. So that's close to half the teams in baseball <laughs> making the playoffs. Um, and, and we're, and I assume we're still talking about a 162 game season. The whole point of the 162 game season is to weed out teams who do not belong in the playoffs. It is, mm-hmm. as Joe Sheehan said today, this is supposed to be a regular season sport. And to me, the only way to get this to work would be to somehow, and I don't see how they could do this, but to somehow make winning the regular season very important. Um, almost like the NHL has the President's Trophy, which, granted, is not a huge deal. Um, I mean, it's something, but it's it's nothing compared to winning the Stanley Cup Trophy. But the President's Trophy is awarded to the team with the best record, uh, the most points, mind you, in the NHL at season's end. The baseball, if they're going to do this, would have to, in my opinion, do something to award the best team in both leagues during the regular season and and to really make it count. Like it can't just be a banner. Like there has to be, otherwise playing 162 games is absurd. It playing 162 games made total sense when it was just the winner of each league, when there were less teams immediately advancing to the world series and you won the pennant. It still made sense when they added the division series and there were just, you know, four teams in the playoffs and you could still, you know, and, and so on. It still to me has the playoffs still has an intimate feel. This 
would destroy all that, in my opinion. And I think it's really, it's really missing the point. And and I'm going to make a few assumptions on on the thinking here. Um, and, and these could be off. So so just keep that in mind. But my assumption is that this is a, of course, a money issue, um, but also possibly a, a, a quick fix to a ratings issue and mm. or to an attendance issue. And in my opinion, that would not fix either of those. I, I yeah. think if you want to address that, you do these things. You, one, get rid of the blackouts. And I'm talking like, as you know, Tara, someone who lives in Iowa is blacked out of six mm-hmm. Major League Baseball teams. That is, uh, I mean, you do the math. That's Wonder six. why you're losing fans. <laughs> yeah, that's six out of 30. Uh, you're blacked out of, of, what's that, 20% of the league? Um, yeah. Get rid of incentives to tank. There's too many teams who are losing purposely to, to build their team. And by that, I mean either just get rid of the draft entirely or quit tying the top pick to the draft to teams with you know the worst records and just either make it some sort of random generator each year um and three make it affordable to go to a baseball game again and and that might be the most important thing because going back to the 162 games thing that used to be the point of baseball is that on on a whim you can decide to take a family to a baseball game and you can't really do that anymore because the games are so expensive, it really has to be something you almost plan out, kind of like a almost like a football game or or what have you. So if this is more than just a money grab, which I'm sure it's mostly just a money grab, but if it's also an attempt to fix those things, I really think it's a bad idea. And I, I don't want to be overly dramatic here because who knows until this is actually in play. Also, who knows if it's going to get in play, but, you know, these things sneak up on us pretty fast. When they first floated the idea of uh, a a relief pitcher having to face three batters, that seemed radical at the time, and now it's here. Now it's happening. You know, now it's something we're going to be dealing with. Yeah. So this could spring up on on us pretty fast, and I don't want to be overly dramatic until I actually, you know, have to deal with it, but I really do feel like this will hurt my fandom. It'll it'll make me less interested in the league. It'll it'll make it'll it'll really hurt one of the things I like about baseball, which is that the regular season is such a grind, and you want to award that. The grind is part of the joy of this game. the 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 grind is part of the charm, and if the grind becomes less meaningless, it becomes meaningless, and that teams with 83 wins or 82 wins are making the playoffs. And as you know, Tara, and as has been pointed out many times, a team who wins 82 games can, of course, be a 102-win team in a a seven-game series. So this is not like the NBA and, you know, which they have a bloated playoff system as well. Um, this is not like the NBA, though, where that eight seed is never going to win the NBA finals. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the best team in the NBA always wins. Baseball isn't like that. The variance is ba- in baseball is different. So therefore, you have to weed out the teams who, who absolutely do not belong. Now, that doesn't mean the best team is going to win the World Series each year because, you know, 10 teams play some kind of extra baseball. Um, 
and at least eight teams play a full series of extra baseball. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a lot of teams. But at least you can usually say with those eight teams that they deserve to be there. They did something to stand out from the rest of the pack. And I won't feel that way. I'm guessing. Again, I have to see this in practice. And, and maybe there's more to this whole recipe than we've seen that's going to alleviate some of these concerns. But I, won't, I can't imagine I will feel that way under this system. I just think it's very, very bad. Yeah, I, I, a couple of things. One, I don't like the idea of, like you're saying, sort of a watered down version of the postseason where you can kind of sneak in and then, you know, anything happens in the postseason, which we've seen. Some people might see that as a positive, right? Because you can be a team that maybe just sort of found momentum at the right time and was able to put it together at the end of the season. I think we see enough of that with the wild card system as it is. I don't know that you want to go another tier down from that and see teams that like don't have a lot of respect in the regular season, then all of a sudden making a run. It just seems a little weird to me. Two, this whole like picking the team that you play and making it some sort of live television event is such a gimmick that I can't mm-hmm. even imagine that that's, I mean, that's such a like, oh, let's do this thing for millennials, which is not even a thing that millennials are going to want. They're going to think it's stupid and, and cheesy. And there's no way you can make that good television, first of all. And then let's talk about this whole best record getting a buy through they're, they're going to get like five or six days off. And if you want to talk about the teams that typically win in the postseason, there is a momentum factor, right? There is the ability to get hot at the right time. And I don't think the best team in baseball is going to want to take a week long break and then have to try to rediscover that momentum, especially if you're coming off of a team that was maybe in one of those wildcard games, didn't get to host it because they weren't the best uh, of the remaining available teams and are sort of riding that momentum wave. I just don't see that as the advantage that they want to make it seem like. It almost seems like more of a disadvantage when you look at the way these things tend to go. The team with the longer layoff doesn't always come out stronger. Yeah, um, a couple things, I think. The, the, The picking the team you get to play thing. I see what they're trying to do with that. That whole concept, this, that gimmick, as you correctly called it, to me works better in a sport like basketball that is more personal. Um, baseball really is kind of an impersonal game. There's very little physical contact between the two teams. And, and I assume that's what the point of that is, which is like, you know, okay, so this team the better team gets to pick who they play and then we hope that team kind of feels disrespected so there's this added tension you know going into the matchup but that's all going to disappear once the game starts because of the way baseball works this isn't like basketball where the players are rubbing again well all right that sounds weird <laughs> where players are like you know coming in like physical contact with each other and there's going yeah. to be jawing and there's going to be you know intensity and you know unless you're the houston astros then everyone's going to be throwing (laughs) yeah yeah that astros might be a whole whole (laughs) whole different whole lot of a lot of things going on with the astros right now um but you know what i mean it's not like basketball and football where where you're in each other's faces all the time baseball is a, a pretty impersonal game so 
And that just screams bad television to me. Uh, yeah. What you described, it sounds like like it'd be about as well produced as LeBron's uh, decision um, thing. Which uh, there's coming from a television perspective, there is no way to make that interesting. <laughs> there's no way you, you know they to make that out, worth watching. You know they stretch it out over like an hour. Absolutely, too, like and the they do like so, uh, they do some weird matchup you know, here are the statistics. Here's how they match up with this team. And here's how they're rotating. It would just be obnoxious and unnecessary. And no one would want to watch it except to find out who their team plays. And that's going to be like the last 10 minutes of the show. It's so dumb. (laughs) Right. And look, I I love LeBron. Uh, He he earned his right to go. uh, Well, he didn't earn any. He had a right to go to Miami and that was mm-hmm. awesome he did that, but that show sucked. I think we can all agree Well, he's on that. even uh, said he probably shouldn't have done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we can all agree that that did not work very well. Um, uh, another thing I would like to mention that I, I didn't, uh, that I skipped over the first time is, and, and this is gaining some traction too, and, and I really think Dan, Dan Samborski has done a really good job on Twitter going through a lot of the problems this system would potentially produce. So check that out if you get the chance. But I really think this would hurt free agency as well. Because if all of a sudden you feel like you can get into the playoffs with, you know, being a mid 80 win team and you do those other calculations say, well, if, you know, if we're fighting for that playoff spot, then we hope to have those fans, you know, we should still have those fans there in August and September. So the revenue is going to be fine. People are going to be watching. Well, what's the incentive to go out and pay Bryce Harper for 12 years um, or anyone for eight years or 10? You know what, you know what I mean? Like there, especially if, if the CBA that we have now mirror is, if the CBA in the future is going to even, sort of mirror what we have now in terms of the way the teams benefit off cost control talent. It just, to me, it's just a really bad idea. It would also make the trade deadline way less interesting. Yeah. Right? Like you're going to get to the totally. middle of the season and so many more teams are going to be like, nah, we can't let go of these pieces because who knows? We might be the seventh team out of the, the mm-hmm. National League to make it in. It would make it would make so much of the regular season way less interesting because so much more of it wouldn't matter. I don't yeah. know. It just, it's just—it's so—it's so weird. Can you think of a way, Tara, that they could? Well, let's say they they implement this system. Can you think of a way? And let's say they're still 162 game regular season. Can you think of anything they could do to make the regular season seem important? I mean, obviously, you know. You, it's important in that if you win 60 games, you're going to be staying home in October, but to make it still feel like that grind. Yeah. Um, I mean, to some degree winning the division, right? Because at least you're guaranteeing yourself some version of home field advantage. Also, also real quick, the picking the team thing. Yeah. I would just pick the shortest flight. (laughs) Oh wait, they come to you, right? Yeah, they come to you. Oh, but never mind. Okay. here's what well, I would say. I'll pick the team the furthest away. Th- yeah, so right, there's such a weird <laughs> element of strategy that has nothing to do with baseball, which I guess is the, the part of it that could be intriguing, but it's just such, it's not the way anything is supposed to work. But I was having Sorry. this conversation yeah, yeah. with a friend last night, and uh, <laughs> we were talking about this, and I was like, okay, maybe it would be interesting if if they got to pick the opponent, but played at the opponent. 
right? Because then you could pick the shortest flight or you could pick the ballpark where you have the most success or you could pick like at least it would be something interesting other than just picking the worst team. I I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that to me doesn't add anything of interest to the whole postseason picture. And if you're going to add teams, I mean, I I get why they did it, right? Because if you're going to add teams, there has to be some value to adding those teams. So if you add a gimmick on top of it, then it's like, hey, look at this cool thing that we just added instead of just it being more teams. I just think it doesn't do anything except make people go, wait, who's playing where and how are they deciding it? And I don't think adding more confusion is actually going to be better for baseball. It works in the NBA having, and again, I think the NBA playoffs could, you know, could be cut down a little bit, but obviously that's not going to happen. They've had 16 teams. I mean, yeah, they've had 16 teams for a very long time now. Um, But it works in the NBA because the NBA seems to be the one sport that truly crowns the best team at the end of the year. Uh, Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, because some people could argue it's a bad thing because it kind of cuts out some of the drama, but you can also argue it's a good thing because the way basketball works, I mean, it's very rare, right, that when a team wins the NBA Finals and you're like, well, I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's I, I feel like I can almost count the times that's happened on one hand in my lifetime. Definitely not more than two hands. Um, so that's why having all those teams in the NBA playoffs is fine. Hockey has, it is sort of like, it can almost be like baseball in that I get, I mean, I'm, I'm by, I'm by no means a hockey expert, but you'll always hear, hear people say like, you know, your goalie can get hot for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you win the Stanley cup finals. Why is that a good thing? You, you know, like I, and, and at least again, they, you know, for the last 35 years, they've tried to hand out this president's trophy to kind of, I guess, combat that, or at least to give some sort of meaning to the regular season. But I'm not positive that's a good thing. And and baseball would be even more like that, which is especially in short series, if you have, if you're a, if you're a somewhat mediocre team, but you have an awesome starting pitcher, you know, we've seen how, how much blood you can squeeze out of a turnup, you know, in the playoffs, like, like mm-hmm. think of what the Giants did with, with Bumgarner, you know, in 2014, um, you know, we see starting starters come out of the bullpen all the time. I just don't trust this in in terms of feeling good about the World Series winner um, each year. I, I, I just it's just a bad idea. That's yeah. that's what it is. It's a bad bad idea. Let me ask you this: Do you feel like the current postseason structure needs to be changed? <sighs> hmm. Um. Like, is there something about it that seems like good question? It needs to be changed? Or well, is this just sort of an arbitrary thing that We're obviously not going back, right? Like, like right. we're not going back to a system where there was just uh, four teams making right. the playoffs. Because right. that would be my preference because I'm a dinosaur and, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> thought that was the best way to play baseball with a 162-game regular season. Huh. No, like, is this I, a thing I, that people are actively complaining about? No. <laughs> I, I, like, is this a change oh, that is, is something I, I, that I, should be discussed at all? I do have something. Start okay. the games earlier. Ah, the, the games yes. start too late. Uh, <laughs> okay. Have a day game every once in a while. On, a, like weekend, on a weekend. Not, not on like a – when I, I know they have like an early round playoffs. They have day playoff games. But I'm talking league championship series game. 
have it on a Saturday afternoon. Do they still do? I don't feel like they do that anymore. Maybe they do. And I'm, I'm, but if they do, it's like that weird three Oh five start that no one likes anyway. So it's not really an afternoon. It's not like a regular season afternoon. One Oh five start. It's that weird. Right. Just right. ahead of prime time start. <laughs> and then everyone's dealing with shadows. And, right. And right. Things like that. But in terms of the actual format, I'm trying to think if I have, I mean, certainly nothing's jumping out that I think they obviously have to fix. I, I, I've always thought the idea of the best team in the league having like a dominant home field in the first round would be kind of cool. Uh, Okay. How that would work, I don't know. What whether it's like four of the five games, but when do you give that other team the one game? I, I don't know. Um, but do you I, think that the World Series needs to be seven games? I think seven games, as opposed to more or less. Less. I, I think seven is the perfect amount of games. Okay. Yeah. I've heard that argument made that it wouldn't like if you lessen the number of games per series, basically, yeah. just make the NLCS and the World Series five games uh, instead of seven, just because it can sometimes drag on a bit. Oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 don't, I don't mind it, I, personally. I, I, I don't agree with that at all. And, and that's such like an unrealistic change because we know baseball is not going to give away the, the revenue from... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so no, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I don't think it needs to be nine games like it was for right. a period of time way, way back in the day. But I think when the... I believe when the White Sox threw the World Series, that was a nine series World Series. Uh, That's a lot of games. Yeah, best of nine. But uh, no, I I think, and I I think that's why this was such like an uproar is because the system seems to be working just fine. It's fine. It doesn't need to be overhauled. Yeah, that's that was the thing. It was like, wait a second, you're doing what now? Like, was anyone asking for this? And that's why you know it seems to be very much the owners trying to find a way to generate more money because they clearly don't have enough every year. They make record breaking revenue that they then don't spend on their actual employees, but that's totally different argument. We can have a different time. Uh, If you are listening and you have a strong opinion about this, do you like the idea of changing the postseason structure? If it's not this version with some weird live television event, what would you change and if you wouldn't change it, what do you like most about the current postseason structure? I guess that's where I'll leave it, Alex, unless you have anything else you want to say additionally about this strange proposal yet again from Major League Baseball. I do not. All right. Well, in that case, let's move on to the chirp of the week. Okay. So uh, earlier today on Twitter, I posted a, uh, a, a poll or, or a question and it was just this. Could Ozzie Smith in his uh, athletic prime, could Ozzie Smith dunk a basketball? That was the question. Okay. Uh, the the uh, polls are still open, by the way. You can still g- go to my Twitter page and vote if you, if you would like to. And uh, last I checked, it was around 150 votes. And um, I guess I should also tell you what the three choices were. Um, it was yes, but just barely, meaning yes, but he could just barely dunk. Yes, and he could dunk with ease. He could just easily throw down a basketball. Or no, he cannot dunk. 
Last I checked, 60% of the people thought he could dunk with ease. 28% thought he could dunk, but just barely. And 12% do not think Ozzie Smith could dunk a basketball. Uh, so overall, 88% of the people who chimed in believe Ozzie Smith in his athletic heyday could dunk a basketball, which makes sense, right? Because we're talking about not only a professional athlete, an elite professional athlete, this guy is in the Hall of Fame, but we're also talking about a professional athlete who was incredibly athletic. You know, we saw him do backflips. Mm -hmm. We've seen him jump very high. So that gives credence to the idea that, of course, you'd be crazy to think that he could not dunk a basketball. And I think I agree with that. I, I think he probably could dunk a basketball and maybe could dunk it easily. But I want to offer a defense for those who don't think he could. Okay. And uh, it'll go. I, I also want to add, before I get to that, that the people who were voting no, Ozzie Smith could not dunk a basketball. They were, that was polling much higher until friend and guest of the podcast, Ben Godar, chimed in with, uh, <laughs> I will fight everyone in this poll who thinks that 510 Ozzie Smith, who did an effing backflip every day, could not dunk. I wondered how much that tweet yes, would affect yes, the poll numbers. A, a, a disgusting display, uh, display of voter intimidation, if you, if you ask me. Um, and after, after that tweet was fired off, which I guess it's kind of my fault because I also retweeted it. Um, but those numbers started to plummet. So maybe, maybe he comes back yeah, on the show. Yeah, maybe people are afraid <laughs> after, after that bit, after not even a veiled threat, just a straight up direct threat. Um, <laughs> but here's a defense of Ozzie Smith not being able to dunk a basketball. As Ben Godar noted, he's 5'10, but he's listed at 5'10. Okay. Uh, okay. It's a good distinction. I, I like to say I'm 6'1. Other people, uh, like my wife, and uh, doctors, when I'm getting a physical, like to say I'm six foot. <laughs> so there's a uh, difference of opinions on this. And I don't know if you've ever seen Ozzie Smith standing in a crowd of people, but he is not a tall man. If he's 5'10", he's 5'10 at most. And I would bet, or at least it wouldn't shock me if he's actually 5'9 or even 5'8", okay? Which, of course, someone who's 5'8 and as... And as Ah, excuse me, as athletic as Ozzie Smith could still dunk a basketball. Spud Webb, of course, won a dunk contest, I think in 1986, and he's only five foot seven. But I think also, and Tara, I might get into your expertise here because you know something about gymnastics, don't you? A little. Okay, like I think people also assume because Ozzie is somewhat of a gymnast, you know, he could do that amazing backflip, then that correlates with like a vertical leap or being able to jump up, being able to, you know, just stand there and dunk a basketball. Uh, <laughs> Not exactly the same skill. Yeah. So I, I think of uh, Simone Biles. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. So if you've seen those videos of her, the air that she gets on some of her best, uh, what, what would I call this, Tara? jumps i mean what what do you call what she does a tumbling passes okay so when yeah. she's getting her maximum height yeah she's obscenely high yes it's crazy it's how, ridiculous it's crazy how high off the ground she is and there's no doubt in my mind that she cannot dunk a basketball now granted, she's also like four eight 
Uh, <laughs> um, and and I'm not just saying this because it's Simone Biles. I'm I'm bringing her up because I have no idea who the most famous male gymnast would be. Um, but she's all, probably better than them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, but let's take whoever the most famous male gymnast is and let's give him a foot on her. So five eight. I've seen these people obviously jump very high too, and I'm not positive that means they can automatically dunk in basketball either because I don't think it's the same skill set as as a vertical leap or or also being able to palm a basketball, which is also very important. If you can palm a basketball versus not palming a basketball, I think it matters. Uh, so I don't totally think just because Ozzy could jump very high and because he might have been 5'10", or he, that, or he might be 5'10", obviously Ozzy is still with us, that he could dunk a basketball. So that's my <laughs> that's my defense of saying Ozzy could not dunk a basketball. And, and, oh, last thing I'll say, I meant to bring this up. I knew a kid in high school who did the high jump, and he was very good at it. Uh, I mean, he didn't, like, go to state or anything, but he was on our track team, and I think he was the best high jumper on the track team. And he could not dunk a basketball, even though he could, like, high jump, like, a crazy high, like, I don't, I don't forget what it was, because it's a different skill set, right? You're doing a different yeah. thing. It's a different, I don't know. There's a lot of coordination yes, involved. Yes, yes, it's two totally different things. So that's your trip of the week. I think Ozzy probably could dunk a basketball, but I also understand why people might think he could not. I don't like to tweet at famous people, and I doubt he would answer even if I did, but maybe <laughs> I'll tweet at Ozzy once the polling has closed to ask him because I really would like to get to the bottom of this. Oh, and another funny thing about all this, let me pull this up right now. But I was trying to actually Google to see, like, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I can just find out for myself. Like, you know, perhaps there's something right there that'll tell us, like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, Ozzy Smith, he's a dunk of basketball. <laughs> so I Googled Ozzy Smith basketball, can Ozzy dunk, something like that. What came up was eighth grader Ozzy Smith from Utah has crazy handles. Uh, th- there's an eighth grader out there, um, a, a, v- a very white looking eighth grader in Utah who apparently is a, is a very good point guard. Um, this is from middleschoolhoops.com, which uh, I did not know existed until today. Uh, but that's your chirp of the week. Probably the worst chirp of the week of this series, uh, right? Like I'm just rambling here. But one to make you think, nonetheless. You can still vote. You can still vote until probably tomorrow at like 10 o'clock. Or, okay. So uh, do that if you want to. Tara, do you think Ozzy Smith could dunk? And what do you think of the points I made? So the very first thing I was thinking as you were discussing this is I really need to know, this sounds weird, but how big are Ozzy Smith's hands? Right, right. Because that totally matters. Because <laughs> that's so important. Right, like right. one of the reasons, I mean, despite the fact that she's like five foot, that Simone Biles could not dunk, I don't think she could palm a, ba- a basketball and there's also a difference in being able to palm a basketball long enough to show it off and also then to be able to control it like i said there's a lot of coordination happening there and certainly ozzy smith is coordinated enough that for that but i do agree with you that a backflip and jumping to catch a baseball are very different skills than dunking a basketball that said i do think like super athletic people sometimes can do things that don't necessarily seem like they would translate because of their primary sport. So I far be it from me to say that Ozzy Smith would be 
incapable of learning to dunk, but it certainly wouldn't be something that I thought was a sure thing. Yeah, like baseball shape is very different from basketball shape. Right. Ozzy was in very good baseball shape. He was, obviously, he was a skinny guy, but he was also kind of compact. Is that the way to say Like, you know, he was yeah. built like a baseball player. Uh, he had the muscles where you needed to have them as a baseball player. Uh, Here's my question. Uh-huh. Thinking about the tallest players for the Cardinals. Yeah. Do you think Adam Wainwright can dunk? Yes. <laughs> Okay. I, uh, Wayne, what is Wayne? Oh, six seven. Yeah. Him, is he is he that tall? Uh, maybe not quite that tall. Okay. I think Andrew Miller is though. Andrew, can Andrew right. Miller yeah. dunk? Andrew Miller. Um. All right. So, how old is Andrew Miller now? Thirty four. That sounds right. I don't know if he could dunk now. Okay, uh, but, but in his prime. At some point in his life, okay, I'm looking at he's definitely six seven. Um, I can't believe I thought Adam Wainwright was six seven. That sounds silly now that I think about. Um, uh, according the, to his bio, he is six seven. Oh, okay, so yeah. Oh wow. I I, I think I don't Wainwright, know if I believe that, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I I think Wainwright could dunk with ease. Um, okay. I am six uh, one. Although, like I said, some people say six foot. Um, and in my prime, I could dunk a volleyball partly because I could palm it and I can't palm a basketball. Right. Um, but I, uh, am not a, uh, I am, I, I played tennis all my life and even at the division three level Tara, but that's not, uh, I'm not an elite athlete like these people are. Uh, so, so here's my, yeah, here's my, my counterpoint to what I just said about not being totally sure that Ozzie Smith could dunk. Yeah. I went to high school with a kid who played basketball on the boys' team. He was always listed as 5'7". I'm 5'7 and a half. No, he was always listed as 5'8". Sorry. Mm-hmm. He was always listed as 5'8". I'm 5'7 and a half. He was like four inches shorter than me. <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about. I, so, I don't think Ozzy's 5'10". List height is not always accurate. And they always listed him at 5'8 because he was the best player on the team by far, but nobody would take him seriously if they listed him at 5'3". However... He was like 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and he could dunk. Okay, well... It was yes. insane. I mean, those so, like, pe- these things are possible. Those people absolutely exist. Exactly. Um, those people certainly exist. I also exist and- don't think he could do a backflip. So, not the same skill. Right. Different skills. And as far as I know, Ozzy could just totally throw down nasty dunks, and it's even a silly thing to debate. Like, uh, But I don't think it's as open and shut as people believe. Now, someone like Adam Wainwright or uh, Andrew Miller, who are 6'7", or let's say that's another listed height issue and they're only like 6'5 or 6'6". They would have to not be able to jump at all, almost, to not be able to dunk. And they are both, you know, they're slender guys. I'm sure at some point in their life, they could at least, you know, get off the ground enough to dunk. Um, If not dunk, very, very easily. That That wouldn't surprise me either. There was a conversation on a podcast between Jack Flaherty Mm -hmm. and Robbie Rowland, who's also been on the show, former Cardinals prospect back in the day. And we should have him on the show again. That that should be a thing now that I'm talking about that. that Robbie, buddy, if you're listening, (laughs) uh, we should make that happen. But anyway, he does a podcast with Jack Flaherty, which if you don't listen to it, you absolutely should. It's hilarious. But they were having this conversation about they were basically picking teams as pitchers because they're both pitchers talking about pitchers being the best athletes. They were picking who would be on their basketball teams, starting five, 
just of pitchers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very interesting hearing the analysis and the breakdown of the basketball skills from Jack Flaherty of the other pitchers for the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright was one of the guys he would have picked. Okay, so uh, I oh, wait, no, no, no. Adam Wainwright was not one of the guys he would have picked, but he's one of the guys that Robbie Rowland would have picked, if I recall correctly. Go listen to the podcast. You can find it. It's the Robbie Rowe Show. You should just listen to it instead of listening to me try to remember how it went. But it was a fascinating conversation as far as who the shooters were, who the big men would be, who was the most athletic. Good stuff. So, do you think if I tweeted at Ozzy? One, would he answer? Probably not. Two, assuming he doesn't. Um, one, is that obnoxious? Would he think I'm being a jerk and like, uh, hey, we don't know if you can, uh, I don't know, like almost making fun of him? Surely not, right? But, but two, assuming he doesn't answer, who could we next turn to to get this information? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I honestly don't know how active Ozzy is on social media. I don't recall seeing much from him, so I don't know how likely he is to answer. He has a Twitter account. Um, he does. And I looked at it earlier today, and he does reply to people, but okay. not randos like me. Like, you, you could know, just he, say, he, he, trying to settle a bet, could you ever dunk a basketball? Well, I could just and send him the poll and just say, see, what say you, inquiring minds, want to know? Maybe, you could do that. Maybe I will do that. He's mostly just promoting baseball, which, you know, makes sense. He's an ambassador <laughs> of the fair. game. <laughs> I should look at some of my base, old baseball cards to see if they have a different height listed. Ah, there well. you go. Do I'm some not, research on this. We'll yeah. we'll circle back to it. I I really really though want to get this question answered. I think that would be uh, the highlight of my uh, Twitter career. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll we'll go with that. There are many highlights, uh, so that's not a, not a tough thing to do. But well, vote in the poll if you have not yet. <laughs> if you know of a way to, uh, if you if you have an inside track to Ozzy let us know if he could dunk back in the day or if he can still dunk I mean if he's just like a crazy athlete still at this age I'm totally not gonna suggest that he couldn't I, I far be it from me to <laughs> pass that judgment on anyone who's far more athletic than I am e even now I would say and I, I know you're trying to end the show but <laughs> but I want, I want to say that I you know because Ozzy's like 65 now um, so of course he's starting to look a little bit, right? You know, his not not his age, but he's starting to look no longer like he's a, a young man. But until like a couple of years ago, he still looked like he was in, and he still looks like he's in great shape. Totally. But even just a couple of years ago, he still yeah. looked like, especially when you see those videos of him out there throwing the ball around when he'd be like invited to those first couple of days of spring training. You could tell that he was still, I don't know, like like the type of guy like you hear old man strength, like he would still like easily like wrestle me down or something. Right. Like that. Right. Like, still just in very good shape. <laughs> yeah. Just like a peak athlete as mm -hmm. long as you can possibly be a peak mm -hmm. athlete. We love Ozzy Smith. That's the moral of this story. Yeah. And I would love for the sake of folklore to know that he could also dunk a basketball. So we'll try to resolve that. <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, continue to see what happens with the postseason saga. Let us know what you think about that. As well as, you know, if you feel strongly about the Pakoda projections or projections in general, feel free to dive in on that conversation as well. You can follow me at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Alex is at 
AlexCards79. And you can follow Birds on the Black on Twitter or on Instagram. Or if you're listening to this podcast, well, you can follow the Birds on the Black podcast wherever it is that you are listening to this. We'll be back again with you next week to talk about, well, baseball that doesn't really count yet, but we'll talk about it anyway and see what else happens in the breaking news world of baseball until then. So for Alex, I'm Tara. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.